It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown. Foster. Nine seconds for the win. Oh! 
In an unbiased fashion, I had to pick the Braves. I think it's going to be very, very close between the Braves and the Mets. I think it's going to be neck and neck. It might be decided by something like four games or something of that sort. I think the Mets will probably still make the playoffs as a wild card. But I do have to pick the Braves here. In El Central, I have the Milwaukee Brewers. And then the West, I have the L.A. Dodgers. Okay. Not bad picks. Not bad picks. I will start in the NL. Um, in the NL, I, in the NL West, I also have the Dodgers. They are very scary coming off a World Series win. Um, I also had my second place teams here too, so I'll just I'll mention those two. I have the Dodgers and I have the Padres. Not too far behind them. That's going to be a very good team this year. In the Central, I have the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, and the Chicago Cubs in second place. So I don't even have the Brewers there. I was a little surprised by that one because I think the Cubs and Reds are going to have better seasons than, than the Brewers. So I, I don't have the, I'm don't have i not very high on the Brewers this year. Um, and then in the NL East, also unbiased because I'm not a fan of them, I took the Mets. So I'm sure you're happy to hear that, Kenny. I really, really like the moves that the uh, Mets made this offseason. New ownership. I think there's a new... Uh, just a new wave of optimism over there in a uh, city field. And I have the Braves second, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be very, very close to vision. But I, I think the Mets edge it out. Listen, as a Mets fan, you don't quite understand the pain and anguish that Mets fans experience. That's so fair. here's the thing. Yes, we got the new owner. Yes, we got McCann. Yes, we made the trade for Lindor. Yes, we're getting the black jerseys back. Do you know about wow. the famous Mets black jerseys no. for Friday night? Oh, you don't know? All right, so anyone out there that is a Mets fan knows about these classic black Mets jerseys. They're really, really nice jerseys. I'm excited that they're, they're going to be back. I'm sure you could find them in your images, like old-time David Wright and Jose oh, Reyes wearing these black. I remember those. They're really nice. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, all those things, right? But now Lindor said he's – only going to sign the contract before the season or after the season. He's not doing contract negotiations during the season. So you had this whole time to figure out this contract, and now here we are on the eve of the season, and there's no contract. So that's why this is like my problem, right? If they sign into the contract today or yesterday or whatever, then I'd be like, Oh, this is awesome. Okay, we have Lindor. Like, he's going to be here for a while. But now I'm going to this season with, like, this this weird, uneasy feeling. Like, is this guy our, our rent-a-player? Is that how this is going to work? Lindor's our rent-a-player? I, because I can't get behind him as much. I can't be a fan of Lindor as much if I don't know that he's here for the long term. If he's really a New York Met or if he's just a, a one-year New York Met. Do you understand? So you, are you afraid that... Mets season doesn't quite pan out, and they just trade him at the deadline, maybe, or no, just get I rid of him at just, the end of the season. Leave because it's only a one-year deal. Mm-hmm. He's on the last year of his contract, so at the end of the season, he's either going to re-sign with us or he's going to leave. But he's asking for a lot. Did you see the numbers he's asking he, for? Three eighty-five for twelve. Yeah, three eighty-five mil. But I mean, they offered three twenty-five, which is still three twenty-five is a ton of money. But listen. I think I, I was looking at the contracts for like the highest paid people in the league. If you look at um oh I forget anyway, I did like what it was per year and 
he would make um more like I think he was he, he was asking for less than Machado and I think people would say that he's probably better than Machado and I don't know the man. Machado but, Machado deal is ridiculous. That but is here's way the thing. But here's but, yeah. the thing. Like now we have the owner with the most money in all of baseball. So do the deal for us. You're the owner's a Mets fan. You're a Mets fan. You understand the Mets fan anguish. We're all excited that we got you as our owner, and yeah, you did some cool things this offseason, but let's not not let it be the same old crap with the Mets. If you're the guy who has the most money in baseball, give the guy what he wants, make the Mets fans happy going into this season. If you have to go over the cap, who cares? You're you're able to do it. You have the money. This is the guy that like lost a billion dollars over that GameStop thing, and he's like, ah, you win some, you lose some. So make the Mets fans happy. Steve Cohen, let's go, man. Help us out. Do you think Lindor is just kind of taking advantage, though, of the fact that he's signed with this team that, you know, has, like, the most va- like the most rich owner or whatever, like, he, that he can expect that, like, ask for that much money? Like, do you think that's really the reason he's there? Just because he knows he can get it? I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I think this could be a fun team going forward. I don't think it's just about the – about having the rich owner, like I, I would nice hope pieces. not. I would hope not. We have some but... nice pieces. It's New York City. Maybe yeah. he wants to be like the the king of New York. I don't know. I mean, I was talking to um, I call her my uh, my baseball analyst, our our baseball insider, Lauren Isero, my girlfriend, about this, and she was saying that she thinks it would be foolish for him to not sign this deal this year because. Apparently, I don't mean I don't even know anything about this. She knows a whole lot more about baseball than you and I do. Apparently, next off season, like this upcoming off season, it's going to be a big market for shortstops. There's going to be lots yep. of shortstops in yep. the market. Yeah, so she's saying that if he waits, he's going to be competing with all these other shortstops. And then also, she was talking about the there's going to be like a new CBA and that there might be a baseball strike and a work stoppage. And so she's just pointing out that he should probably get his money now. I, I don't know. That's no, that, just... that, that is fair. I mean, all the things that you mentioned, plus just, you know, the all the teams are down on money after last season too. So, like, I think with a combination of all those things, like, he doesn't necessarily have to come down and agree to what they offered him. But I think – both sides could have probably compromised a little bit. Like there is such a huge gap in the amount that he's requesting versus what they're offering. I, I think there could have been. I think both sides could have. There wasn't a difference a in year. I thought it was three twenty five for ten versus three eighty five for twelve. It might have. I, I I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Okay. I mean I don't know. Listen, like. But yeah. I'm just so. saying they were going into the season. And I wanted to be a big Lindor fan. I was ready. I was like, let's go Mets, you know. Yeah. But but now I'm like, oh, I don't know because. If you do this rent-a-player thing, the only reason why I would I would say this rent-a-player thing is okay if Lindor comes here and then he leaves next season is if we win the chip. Like the Raptors with Kawhi. Right. Right. That's the only reason why I would say it's okay because we gave up Rosario and Jimenez, and Jimenez especially was looking really promising last year. We just gave away our shortstop depth to get this guy, and I thought, you know, if you if you get him – the idea behind it is you're you're trading for him to then make sure that he's going to sign with you. Yeah. 
but yeah. it's not. Right. It's not. I'm not seeing it right now. So that's my issue. It, it's yeah. It's a scary situation, but I don't know why. Like you know, everyone says the Mets will be the Mets. Mess it up somehow, but like I, I don't know. Because you're I, not a Mets fan. I know, I know. You don't like, understand. I, I believe, though. And I, I would hope you that would encourage you. I, I believe that this is going to work out. I, I think they're going to be a very, very good team. And I think that at, at the end of the day, a contract will be signed. I didn't realize that he, he's not going to do any negotiations. That's what season, he said. Which is, like, I, I mean, that's not uncommon. But, like, you know, that, that does make it scary for sure. But I just have a good feeling that the team's going to mesh well Really well. I think a contract will be signed. I, I have confidence. So a contract's going to be signed before the no, game? No, no. At, the, the, end, end, at of, the end of the season. I, th- I think so. So in so the offseason, he's going to come back to the Mets still? I think so. I think okay. he's going to have a very good season. The Mets ownership will see that he's going to be a vital part of their you know rebuild. Especially because you have a new owner. You have a new player that comes in that's like a... MVP candidate basically every single year. So I just I don't think that they're going to be easy to let him go even if he doesn't come top 3 top 5 MVP voting this year. I I just see this as a new wave of promise and that they're going to end up probably being like the Cowboys and just giving the money away like they did with Dak. So I I'm all right I, with that. Yeah, I have I have hope in the Mets. I believe in them. Anyway, I got to get to my AL picks, yeah, too. Yeah, sorry. I, I No, it's okay. We went off on a little tangent there. That's all right. I wanted to talk about that. Uh, in the West, in the AL West, I have the Oakland A's repeating. And I have the Houston Astros right behind them. Um, the A's were very, very dominant offensive team last year. I think they keep it up. I think they repeat. Um, but the Astros were scary. They made a run in the playoffs. I think. But you know what I'm excited for? I think they're, we're going to finally get some real booze the Astros this year I'm, I'm excited to hear that yeah I I just like, hope MLB fans didn't forget well that's what I'm saying I hope I hope they haven't forgotten I hope they haven't been let they off have. the hook I really don't think they have like I can like imagine the Astros coming to Boston to play like yeah but the where, thing is the thing is like, how many people are going to be in the stands in Boston that's true that's what true. I want I want them to go do you know who they're playing I think they're I think they're tomorrow? playing the A's tomorrow yeah I want check. them to go to Texas, the Texas Rangers Stadium, where apparently they're allowing full capacity. And I Are just they want them tomorrow? That's what I heard. Wow. I heard it a while back. Uh, Let's see. The Astros play the at the A's. Okay, so yeah, I'm. I doubt that they're gonna have fans in California because it's California. But um, I think once they go play at a an opposing place in in one of the states that are a little bit more lenient with their COVID guidelines, I want them to just get booed like crazy. I have confidence that the fans won't forget. They'll remember. Yeah. But in like what I was saying, like about Boston, like Boston fans are already so crazy. Imagine the Astros coming here. Yeah. It's going to, especially when Altuve goes up to bat. Oh yeah. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. (laughs) They deserve it. Like even two, three years later, they deserve it. Um, I think they deserve it. I don't even think that I wouldn't even set a ceiling on how much they deserve. I think they should get booed going into next season too. Yeah, I, I think I Altuve should always get booed. That's I mean that's just one of the that whole scandal is one of the worst sports scandals it's in our worst. age. I mean we've talked about this at Patriots. length before last year, but oh stop. <laughs> we've talked about this at length before last year, but I mean that thing was just crazy. 
I mean, that's literally spying and making sounds and cheating to win, and they go on to win a world. And like, and that's just... and I mean, I don't think it was ever confirmed, but the idea of the buzzer under the shirt. Oh yeah, I mean, like I don't I don't understand terrible. how you could terrible win. for the game. I don't understand how you could win a championship and be happy having done those things. I know. It's yeah, I, I agree. I don't know. It's whole moral side of it, like. Great, you win a championship, but, like, I feel like the odds that, like, just the uneasiness they had to feel, not only with doing something morally wrong like that, but also the fact that everything is so out in the open nowadays. Like, they had to have such an uneasy feeling that this is going to get exposed and that there's going to be an a- they're going to be the Houston asterisks. I-, I-, I have to think that. So I just don't understand. I like that. I haven't heard that before. You haven't heard of Houston asterisks? No. Yeah. That's a – that was a – I remember – there was, like, a big Twitter account about that last year, but then the season got shut down. Like, it was created at the beginning of spring training. It was basically, like, hyping up fans to, like, boo the Astros. And it was, like, pointing out, like, where, like, what fans were doing to boo the Astros, but then the season got canceled. The fans uh, better not be less angry now. Yeah, agreed. All right, on to the AL Central. Unbiased, I have the Twins. I think that's a very common pick, riding off the momentum of last season. I have the White Sox in second. Um, they continue to close the gap, I think. They have gotten better every year. Um, they just had a big injury. It was uh, Eloy Jimenez, their left fielder. Uh, I think he's out for the season, at least for a while. So that's definitely a big blow there. So I, I have the Twins there. And then the AL East, the Evil Empire. I took the Yankees as well. They're just so dominant. All around, but I have the Blue Jays in second. I really, I think that's kind of a underrated, not really talked about team that could make a little bit of a run um, and kind of challenge the Yankees. They have a lot of good young hitters. Made a couple of moves in the bullpen this off season, so I like the Blue Jays to at least compete. And I also don't really believe in the Red Sox or the Orioles. And the Rays, obviously, coming off a World Series appearance, are going to still be very good. But I, I, I just think the Jays are going to ride off that, or are going to keep building up momentum. The Rays lost their ace last uh, this last off season. I think the Jays just edge them out for a second. So, yeah, that's my division winners. Do you want to go on to World Series? Yeah, sure. How do you think the playoffs will end up? So I think it's, I mean, it's boring, but I'm just going to go with the Dodgers and the Yankees. Yeah. Just because I think they're the best two teams in baseball, unfortunately. And and then I have the Dodgers repeating. Yeah, that's what I have too. It's, it sucks because it's like when we did our final four picks and you had four one seeds and I had three one seeds, like it sucks that that's the reality, but like it's kind of the same situation where these two top teams are just so much better than everyone else that you, you can't really go against them. But I will say I have two New York teams in the semifinals, in the league championships. I have the Mets making the NLCS and losing to the Dodgers. And then I have the Twins making it to the ALCS. So I have both of our teams in the league championship series and then losing. And mostly the Twins losing because they've lost the Yankees like 10 times in a row in the playoffs. And I think it unfortunately happens again but yeah then i have dodgers being the yankees just they're just better than everyone else they really are it sucks but unless the yankees stay injured they always like the last couple of years they've been so injured that 
It's the only re- way they could not make it, I think. I'd love to see the Mets beat the Dodgers. Mets Yankees World Series? Yes. I now I was honestly thinking about that. It's not impossible. It's not. And honestly, at the end of the day, like we have Dodgers Yankees, but I think at least one of those teams will make it. I could easily see one of those other teams not making it just because that's just the nature of sports. That's just the nature of the league. So, yeah, I, I, I definitely could see the Mets. If they really – the ground goes off. If they really mesh. If he the ground, starts hitting his home runs again. Syndergaard, like, yeah. He comes back. Exactly. Like, that's like – he's like, like the guardian angel that it'll comes It'll be in. like uh, when he comes back for, like, our little uh, our little postseason run, like the midseason uh, – return and it gives us a little bit of extra energy it'll be like when thor comes down to wakanda in uh avengers infinity war <laughs> yeah you uh, even you don't no, even know what i'm talking I, no, about no i don't wow I've, i have not seen those movies i'm sorry wow i know well you know but, what? i shouldn't say that because then we'd end up losing <laughs> but then i guess we'd win like five years later so i don't know yeah it's it's gonna come down to and i definitely could see happening the team meshes DeGrom has a Cy Young type season. Syndergaard comes in as like a guardian angel to like be that last boost. Lindor has like an MVP caliber season. Alonzo leads the league in home runs. Like if all those things happen, which all could happen. Stroman. And yeah, and exactly. McCann, Conforto. Yeah. So, Dom Smith. I love Dom Smith. They're pretty, they're starting to come together. They're pretty well rounded all of a sudden. So that's, yeah, I like them to make a little postseason McNeil, run. McNeil, we didn't even talk about the squirrel. Yeah. Oh my! Yeah, that's that's so true. He he was part of that, the excitement at least at, toward the end of the last year. I remember uh, hearing a lot about him. But the and the other thing, the one other thing I will say about the Mets is, again, people are the Mets will be the Mets. They'll find a way to mess up whatever. They were in the World Series in twenty fifteen. I know, not I was that there. long exactly, not that long ago. So I, yes, this organization has not had the success of its crosstown rivals, the Yankees, but. They made it five years ago. They made it in 2000. Like, if, if the Mets, like, hadn't made a World Series since, like, the 80s, then I'd be like, okay, I don't know if they're really going to turn around this year. They have shown some promise. They they have been in a World Series recently. So, I think there's a lot of promise there. So, this that's is when we had our crazy pitching staff. Yeah, that, that's true. And the, uh, had, the closing. We familia. had Harvey, Syndergaard, DeGrom. Oh, Harvey. Harvey. The fact that Harvey was a beast. Yeah. He was the Dark Knight. He was. And then, yeah, Familia was a really, oh, yeah. really dangerous Jerry's. closer. Jerry's. Yeah. We still got him. He's still on the team? Yeah. Is he, but he's not the closer, though. No, we... we, we he's uh, just a bullpen guy? Diaz closes. Oh, right, right. So he's just a bullpen guy. Okay. Well, I don't know. I, this has been a lot of Mets hype, but I think I it's for a good reason. I hope so, man. I'm... <laughs> Looking forward to hopefully starting off with a W tomorrow night. Who, who the Mets play? The Nats. Okay. That's, and the Nats are another team that we didn't talk about at all, but they, what, two years ago, World Series champs. You never know with them. But, so that, that'll be a good way to start the season. They can go beat the Nats and prove that they're going to be top tier in the NL East. All right. Do you want to go and do awards? Yeah, sure. All right. Who do you have for your MVP choices? So I'm going Mike Trout and Mookie Betts. Okay. I have – AL was – it was just – it's Mike Trout. I have, I have him. Like, he's just – He's the best perennial, player. easy choice. Um, the NL, Fernando Tatis. Ooh. I love 
loved Tatis. He is and okay. He, he just got paid that big money this off season. He is so exciting on both sides of the ball. Like I mean, obviously incredible hitter, and he showed off some crazy like acrobatic plays in the playoffs last year. I think he rides on that and kind of pulls out a sneaky uh, and maybe not even that sneaky not that NL sneaky. MVP. That's pretty good. All right, do you want to go Cy Young? Yeah. All right, who do you have? Going Cy Young, Cy Young choices. Definitely the Grom year. He didn't three peat last year, but I think he's gonna he's gonna come back and he's gonna win it this year. He's almost like the Mike Trout of pitching. Mike, he's kind of become yeah, that. I love I love Jake. Can't wait to see him in that black jersey. And uh, Shane Bieber. Yeah, okay. That's, of the Indians. Yeah. I uh, I also have Degrom. Um, I always, when it comes to the NL, Degrom is just again he's like that perennial guy. I always have to think about Scherzer and. He's fallen off a little bit, but Kershaw. I, I love Kershaw so much. I always think that those two guys, no matter the season, they always have the potential to just dominate once again and win the, the Cy Young. But, yeah, I have DeGrom as my choice. And then the AL, maybe this is a little biased. I don't know. I'm going with last year's second place winner, which was Kenta Maeda of the Minnesota Twins. I think I mean, last year he was so dominant. Shane Bieber was – he had an incredible season last year. He he deserved the Cy Young, but any other year it was Kenta Maeda. He had an incredible season last year. He led the league in WHIP. Um, he had a very good ERA in the twos. And I think he rides that. Like he had a couple of. Uh, he had one game last year where he was just a couple. He was in the ninth inning with a complete game, no hit, shutout. I don't think it was perfect, but I think it was a no hit. Uh, game i remember i was watching that i was in minnesota i obviously wasn't at the game nobody was there but i was in minnesota on a trip with my friends and we were all like getting super pumped watching it, and then he, he lost it in the ninth but like he is so crazy i think he i think he makes that next step and wins it this year so again i got a mets guy and a twins guy and but we're, i think we're showing some reason. love to each other's teams we tonight, are aren't we we are it's but, like all uh it's kumbaya on here or something <laughs> i don't know <laughs> What's going on? This isn't the extra point I know. <laughs> we got to mix it up a little bit. Well, it's just I, – I think it's good reason, though. The, yeah. the, we, have, we have good reason for these picks. I agree. All right. Now into just a couple of questions. I've, I've been pretty big questions in the MLB over this offseason, so I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Should there be a universal DH in Major League Baseball? I say as a a fan of the Mets and having watched the NL for the majority, like for a good part rather than the AL, it's because I'm always watching the Mets and I'm always used to seeing the pitchers hitting. I'm still going to say, yes, there should be a universal DH. Mm -hmm. And this is why. When these players are coming to the majors, the pitchers have to relearn how to hit. Because, yeah, they might have hit in high school, but then when they come to college... College is, un- is universal DH. Yeah. And it doesn't make any sense. Like, listen, I know some of the pitchers are okay hitters, but, like, most of the time you think, okay, the pitcher's up. Like, this is an out, right? Or let's see if the pitcher could bunt, like, to advance. Or, um, you know, like, let's walk the eighth hitter to get to the ninth hitter because the ninth hitter is a pitcher and we're going to get him out. That kind of a thing. So, if these guys 
haven't even been hitting for however many years they're in college, and then they come to the MLB and they have to relearn to hit to be a crappy hitter in the NL. And I'll, that's no disrespect because I've seen some of these pitchers like have their occasional flashes. Like I remember, um, I've seen Wheeler and Degrom hit home runs before, and that was like kind of. I remember there was the Bartolo Colon home oh run, which God. is awesome. Yeah, that was uh, crazy. But still, like, why not put somebody in there that could actually like, is a professional hitter who's, you know, you're up there to bat, you're up there to hit. Not to be an easy out. And also would solve a lot of problems for the Mets because then you could put Alonzo or Dom Smith. Exactly. Instead of having – because we want Alonzo and Dom Smith both in the lineup, but that means that you have to put Dom Smith in left field, which is a little bit scary, but it is what it is because we have to do it for his hitting power. But it would be really nice if we could just DH him. Yeah. And, and to go off your point about relearning to hit, last time they were hitting was in high school – and that was with metal bats too. So they're relearning to hit with a wooden bat that they've never, they probably rarely used. It's just it it doesn't make any sense to me that there's still uh, pitchers hitting in the NL, especially for the for MLB. They want to you know draw this young crowd. Like uh, a big thing is about about baseball is that they've been concerned about is that the fan base is getting older and. You know, they're not engaging the younger generation as much. Well, the younger generation wants to see hitters. They want to see excitement. They don't want to watch pitchers that are just going to be an easy out every single time. And the fact that the pitchers have to waste time learning to bat when they that time could be spent in the bullpen, you know, perfecting their pitching, it just makes for a better product. In, like overall, when the pitchers are allowed to focus solely on pitching, more hitters are allowed in the lineup. And it's just – it's. It's really just not fair between the two leagues. If I'm a pitcher, I just don't want to go to the NL to, if, I, if I really hate batting, which a lot of pitchers would prefer to spend their time perfecting their pitches rather than learning to hit. Then I'm, I get lucky if I get onto an AL team, and I get unlucky if I go onto an NL team. And, you know, I know that I've always kind of felt that in MLB more than any other sport, the two, like, leagues or conferences or whatever, they're, they're more different than I think like NFL or NBA because it's more of like a tradition thing. Like they were these separate leagues that came together. And I guess the NFL was that too, but they have kind of their own separate rules. But at this point, it's 2021. It's all one league. Like, come on. I get the tradition that you've always had the pitchers hitting. It's, it, that's, that's good. That's just old news, especially if you want to get these younger viewers, that's old news. It's time for the universal DH. Some traditions, while they were fun, while it was entertaining to watch a pitcher try to hit a 98-mile-an-hour fastball, it's just, it, it just should be over. Plus, it's just an unnecessary risk. They pull something, they get hit by a pitch. There's just so many reasons that it should not exist anymore. It's, yeah, it's time to go. We're in agreement again. I know. How boring. But it's some things I'm passionate about, though. I, I really think that the, it should be universal DH. That It's just so ridiculous. But. I'm not crazy passionate about it, but if I have to take a take, that's my take. Okay. All right. Isaiah. Well, the playoffs aren't expanded this year. Now it's back to traditional, right? Ten teams, yep. Last how year it, was 16. How it used to be. Yep. Okay, so, well, you're, so the question we have here is, you know, 
did you want it to be expanded this year like it was last year? Do you think it should be expanded in the future? What do you think with that, Isaiah? Yeah, so I'm kind of – I know I just said – I'm going against what I just said a little bit because I just said some traditions need to be rid of their old news. I honestly kind of like the smaller playoff field. If I'm being completely honest, last year it was just – they had 16 teams, so there was eight on each side – which meant there was like two or three teams in each uh, league that just should not have been there. None of those series were very close. And honestly, the fact that baseball games are already so long and then you're adding even more games in the playoffs that with less with teams that shouldn't be there, it just seemed like a waste. Like, I, I don't know. I, I get it that if you're a baseball fan, it's like, yes, let's go. More, more postseason baseball. But to me, it's not meaningful postseason baseball. Like, sure, there could be an upset here and there, but like the year, like 2019, the last year where it was the 10 year, 10 team playoffs, it was every single game was so exciting. Like, and you know, maybe it was hampered by the fact that there weren't really much fans there last year, but like every single game in those divisional series and especially the wild card game are just packed. The stadium's packed, the intensity is just so real. And I just don't really think that's there with these teams that shouldn't be there. And then there's also just way too many games. I think I'm not opposed to a small expansion, maybe like 12 teams, six on each side, which is what the NFL had been doing until last year. I, I wouldn't be as against that. But in any case, I'd, I'd prefer it to be 10 or 12 rather than 16. It's just it was too much for me, too much unnecessary baseball. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I want, I'm going to stick to tradition here, too. I think, you know, the way it was growing up was the 10 teams, and that's just how I want it. I don't – 16 is a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's just – It's like the same thing. I don't like the NBA with this this whole – Play-in like, tournament? Listen, you already have, uh, you know, like, you have 16 teams making it, which is kind of like a lot to – to begin with, is you have half of the of the field making the playoffs, and honestly, in the NBA more so than maybe any other sport, those teams that are in the bottom half of the of the uh, of the eight teams in each conference are very rarely making any noise at all. Yeah, it's almost always one, two, three, four, one, two, three, five in the second round, or something like that. Yeah, like the six, seven, I mean, unless, eight seeds. Unless if like. Unless if really LeBron is on one of the teams and they just decide not to go that hard during the regular season, and then once they get to the playoffs, he turns it. I I remember, I don't know, maybe his last year in Cleveland, he wasn't one of the higher seeds. I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. The I think the year where this last year was he like the a finals, four or they were five. Like, they were like the four. I'm pretty sure. Any you know, anyways, my point is like that is already enough, and then now you're saying ten teams, so you're gonna have. Like sixty six percent of the of the teams in the NBA are going to make the playoffs. Come on, man! And and those nine ten teams are going to have to play a couple extra games before going and playing at the number one seed. Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Like for slaughter. Yeah, exactly. It's stupid. And they're more tired. The NBA like, just doesn't happen. Eights don't beat ones. It doesn't happen in the NBA. It's right. not. It's not like it is in uh, college basketball. It's you know there's not as much room for variation when you're playing these longer series against these teams that the number one seeds are just a lot better than the number eight seeds. Or now we're talking about number ten seeds. Yeah, I, I 
I get it that it's exciting for the fan bases of like these mediocre teams. Like, oh, we made the playoffs. Let's go. We we have a shot now that we're in the playoffs. But not when there's literally so many teams that make the playoffs. Like the playoffs feel like it should be a privilege, and which is why I like how in the MLB it's the three division winners and then the two next best teams overall. I I, I like that because you have to compete. You play so many games against your division, you have to prove that you're the best in the division, and maybe the division winner is just so good that you can't beat them out, but you can still beat out the rest of the AL or the rest of the NL and be one of those last two spots. I really like that, and just, yeah, the expansion is just too much for me. It's a, That's a tradition that I don't think needs to be changed, and honestly, I don't... We're agreeing on this, but I don't think that's that popular of an opinion. Like, I've seen a lot of people that liked it. I think it's just because, oh, more playoff baseball. Oh, my team can actually make it now. But, no, I think I think there's a lot to be said in less teams. So there's more competition. Games meet. This playoff games mean a lot more. Cuts out the, like, extraneous, like, games for those top seeds have to play these lower teams. I mean, they should be having buys, not playing against the – a 500 a team below 500 maybe just com- wasting time risking injury it's just a waste I, I i don't like it i'm glad that it got moved back to 10 this year but it's still up for discussion in the cb the new cba that's going to be at the end of the season so hopefully hopefully that one stays any other thoughts on that kenny no i mean i guess the only other thing that just popped in my mind is baseball is one of the rare sports where you could kind of you know, it's so, it's so statistically based that it gives you the ability to like go back through time and see how good players were or see how good teams were and stuff like that. And, you know, like I'm sure that the playoff field is, has changed over time. I don't know when the 10-team playoff field started. Maybe that's something we could look up. It's, but It's been around for a long – like it was four-team for a while, and then it got changed to five like 30 or 40 years ago. So – Oh, four team from each. So it was it was a three division winners and then a one wild card team. So there's no wild card game. It was just the one okay. wild card team, and then they moved it to a wild card game. I, it might be more recent than thirty years. I I can't remember. Well, my point is like I know that there's been slight changes over time. But yeah, other but, yeah, um, not much, it, not much change. But it changed from um from ten teams to sixteen teams is a is a really big increase. Yeah. And my point is, like, if you're looking back and you're saying, like, oh, how many times is the tw- have the Twins made the playoffs? And, you know, like, if you go back and you look, like, if you keep in mind how it's always been, but – and then you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you could track it over time, but now if you change it to 16, you, you're like, oh, like, well, were those the playoffs that were easier to make or were those, like, the real playoff teams? Or You know what I'm saying? It's just – yeah, yeah. I don't know if anybody gets my point. No, but, uh, I, like I may not have articulated myself as not, well as I could have, but I think you probably get the idea. Yeah. First of all, I was wrong. It was 2012 where they instituted the wild card games. They moved it from four to five in 2012, which is more recent than I thought. It's only nine. But that's years just ago. Like not but a big increase. That, no, you it's know not. What I mean? They got they let one more team in that was that it's the fifth best team in the league. I think that that team has uh, deserves to at least have a shot to be in the wild card game, but. Like last year, the Reds were a playoff team, and and like and the Angels were a playoff team, and I like I think about how people always say like, oh Mike Trout so good, but like he's stuck on the Angels, they can never make the playoffs. 
technically technically last year he was in the playoffs, but like like not really. So yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Alright, we have around ten minutes. What do you want to do? Yeah, let's, let's go into the NCAA tournament. Alright. So we had some sweet sixteen and elite eight action this weekend. Kenny, how'd you end up doing in your selections? Well, we only picked Sweet 16 we only on the show. Sweet 16. Yeah, that's true. I believe that I was 7 for 8. Wow. Do you know which one you would have missed? Yeah, I that, that Alabama-UCLA ah, game, which yeah. was awesome. Did you watch that game? Uh, I saw parts of it, yeah. Oh, man. Well, the I, end I of that game was too, crazy, yeah. that yep. three-pointer. Holy crap. That was awesome. Yeah, I think... Uh, right. I remember I picked Oregon State. I picked Baylor. I picked Arkansas. I picked Houston. Then I picked Gonzaga, I picked Michigan, I picked Alabama, so that was my one loss, and I picked USC. So yeah, I was 7 for 8 on my Sweet 16 picks. Yeah, I, I missed 3, because I missed uh, I missed UCLA as well, and then I missed, um, and then I had, had Syracuse. Syracuse, I had Syracuse beating Houston. And uh, you had Loyola and, Chicago. Yeah, and then I had Loyola Chicago. Great pick on the upset. I don't know why I doubted my Oregon State Beavers. I was just so entranced by the Sister Jean magic that I, I went with Loyola. They um, built a dam around the rim. They did. Yeah, the Oregon State, they looked, They were fun. And they put up a fight against Houston in the Elite Eight. But ultimately, their season comes to an end. Um, but yeah, what were your uh, reactions to the Elite Eight last two days? Did well, you I make was, picks? Uh, did I make picks? I, I think I picked all of the favorites, like all of the higher seeds. Okay. So, I, so you got everyone except for UCLA then? Right. Yeah. Yeah, so I was really surprised by how dominant Gonzaga was against USC because I remember watching USC this tournament and I thought, wow, this is like, I think they were saying they're one of the tallest teams in the league. And like, if you watch them, it makes sense because they, they have all these guys like that are just like such such long players. Like the like what the NBA is looking for today, those, those long uh, – wings with the big wingspan like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and mm-hmm. and they could shoot threes too and they had those two brothers on the team and that guy the one Mobley brother was it Evan Evan yeah. they, they're saying is going to get drafted in the first couple of uh of picks this Lottery, year yeah. and um so I thought wow this is a pretty good team this is probably going to be a good game and then Gonzaga just dusted them yeah, I, I realized that during the Creighton game in the Sweet 16. I was obviously – my Creighton Blue Jays watching the whole game, obviously, did not go too well. They're, they were down 10 at the half, and I was I was thinking, I mean, if, if Creighton plays perfectly and Gonzaga falls off in the second half, we have a chance. But they ended up losing by 18. Gonzaga kept rolling. And honestly, I'm just kicking myself that I didn't spend more time like watching Gonzaga play this year. I kind of just assumed it was the same old, oh, they're in this terrible conference. They're just beating up on these crappy teams. No, they're no. legit. They are looking like one of the best college basketball teams of all time. After that Creighton game, I just I knew nobody's stopping this team. I can't picture anyone stopping this team. I hate that guy, though, Tims. Timmy. Timmy? With the, with the mustache. Well, the guy, every time he scores a bucket, he celebrates. Yeah, he does. So I'm thinking, how, are, how is nobody just, like, fouling them, yeah. fouling him as hard as they can when he goes up for a layup or something and say, like, yeah, stop doing that. Yeah. I mean, Crazy. But they looked like an NBA team compared to college teams out there. Like, and honestly, Creighton, I, I, they played decently well. I think they could have made an Elite Eight 
they could have at least won one or two more games if they weren't playing Gonzaga in that Sweet 16. But, man, Gonzaga just looks so crazy dominant that I wish I had picked them to win my national championship. I had them in the national championship. And I thought Illinois would beat them, and then Illinois went and lost in the round of 32. But at this point, we got a Final Four of Gonzaga, UCLA, and then Baylor versus Houston. Like, UCLA's knocked off some really good teams, so you never know, but... Gonzaga, I just think it's going to be – I don't even think it's going to be that close. Like, I think it'll probably be Gonzaga-Baylor, and that will probably be a pretty good game, but I have no doubt Gonzaga goes goes perfect this year and wins it all. I have to stick with Baylor because that was my original that, pick. That's fair. That's fair. That was, you know, back when we started this whole thing, I said Baylor's going to win the national championship. And they've had a good run, too. They haven't had – much trouble with any of the teams they played either. So it, that'll be a good game, I think. I think assuming it's those two. I in the think finals. it'll be Zaga versus Baylor. I still can't believe that Rutgers pretty much had a team Houston in the final beat, four yeah. beat. That that has that that hurts. Like I'm I'm sorry. It hurts that, so that much hurts. because because then they went on and and then you know I'm Syracuse, saying I'm Rutgers, saying okay. State. I'm saying okay if we if we almost beat them and then they're beating all these teams, I feel like we could have beat all these teams. Syracuse, if they if they had been as cold as they were against Houston, yeah, they could have. And then Oregon State, I mean, Oregon State is Oregon State. Like they put up a good fight against Houston, only lost by six. But like, yeah, that's probably that's definitely a beatable team. Wow, that, yeah. Ha, ah, <laughs> man. If only that's that's the worst feeling. But props to UCLA. Very impressive yeah, being like, Michigan. That guy Cronin, I swear, I, I've seen that guy coach probably at least four or five times because he was he used to coach for Cincinnati, mm. and they were in the Big East with Rutgers. And I remember going to the to the basketball games and seeing him, and it was like I always remember like there's like this little short guy and next to all the big yeah. basketball players, and like this guy's the basketball coach, and I'm pretty sure they used to put him up on like he would come with his big chair. I think it's him. I'm not 100% sure, but I could swear Probably. it's him. But anyways, like, um, good for him. And it's just kind of funny. I didn't even I didn't even know that he ended up at, at UCLA. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a guy that I've just been, I've, like, known for a large part of my, uh, of my sports watching life. And uh, to see him doing well with UCLA with an 11 seed and getting them into the, uh, the final four is is good for him, and now he's playing with like, with house money because he's playing Gonzaga, and if he beats Gonzaga, that's great. But if he loses, like who cares? You lost to Gonzaga, so right. he those guys are gonna go out there. They're gonna play so loose, and they have literally nothing to lose. And Gonzaga has everything that's to true. lose. That could be a better game than we expect. I don't know, but. You know, I will say I had Michigan losing the Elite Eight, so I did get that right, just not to the right team. I had them losing to Alabama. Um, but UCLA, I really just – I didn't even think they were going to make it out of the playing game. I thought Michigan State was going to beat them. And if not, I thought BYU might make a little run. But, man, UCLA, they beat Abilene Christian, which isn't too difficult, but then they beat Alabama and Michigan. Like, wow, that's, that's impressive. Also, Houston, we, we talked about it a little bit. Sad with the whole Rutgers thing, but they were top five in offensive and defensive efficiency. So I did think that – I honestly thought that that was a Final Four potential team. I just didn't have them in my Final Four because they were in the same region as Illinois, who I thought was the best team in the country. 
But I honestly, if if Houston was in any other region, I think I would have put them in the final four. So good for them. Should have probably lost Rutgers, but I hate Houston. <laughs> I'll never forget Rutgers. it. I'll never forget and, it. They're like my rivals now. And they have the Astros in Houston too. Like yeah. I mean, what a terrible place. They're my rivals now. I'm telling you. <laughs> well, maybe, maybe I'll we'll always. A I'll never forget. Can you imagine if there was a rematch next year? I'd love be it. Fun. That'd be awesome. But now we're not gonna have as good of a team. But yeah, whatever. All right, just a couple minutes left. I think we kind of covered all of our March Madness predictions and recap. We have a little bit of time left to talk about an NFL question that's been circulating this past week, and that is about the San Francisco Forty ers trading up in the draft to the number three spot overall. And what does this mean? And, Kenny, should the 49ers draft a quarterback with this spot and trade Jimmy Garoppolo? No, I don't think so. I don't think it was smart of them to move up. I think they should stick with Jimmy, and I think they should have been looking to draft a running back this year. Because I think their offense is their biggest efficiency right now. Specifically, their rushing attack. And they have a good offensive line. So I thought, okay, trade back. Not trade up, trade back. Pick at like um, in the late 20s or maybe like the 30th pick or something like that and look for ETN or uh, that guy from Alabama, Harris? Yeah, Najee. Najee Harris. Najee Harris. That's what I would have done. Now that you have the pick, I still don't want I, – like I know they're going to pick Justin Fields because that's what everybody's saying and – but I'm speaking from how I feel about it. Now that you have that pick, I think you should just take um, that guy from Oregon, Sewell. The is he, he's the a lineman. Yeah. What do you think, Isaiah? No, I. Yeah, I don't know if I would have traded up necessarily, but now that they've done it, I would draft a quarterback. I mean, for one thing, they already gave up. In doing that, they gave up. It was a 2022 third round. Uh, pick and first round picks in the next two seasons to get this number three selection. So now that you have it with all these really good quarterbacks that are going to be out there, I think you draft a quarterback, but you keep Jimmy G for a little while. He has, still has two more years on his contract. So I, I, I don't think you necessarily have to trade him while drafting a quarterback because yes, he led them to a Super Bowl two years ago, but that was partially on him for sure because this last year we saw without a quarterback how terrible they could be, how how crucial of a role that is on that team. So I think you put Jimmy G back in there this season, see if he can play at a level where they can make another postseason run. And if he's just terrible, if he's a liability, you have a quarterback that you drafted that's been getting practice, has been getting reps all this uh, throughout the regular season. You possibly put him in, or you get rid of Jimmy G at the end of the season, and you have a new quarterback ready to go that you picked with a third overall pick. I will say, though, it's it's rare for a quarterback that's drafted three or higher to actually do well in this league. Is it? Yeah, oh, yeah. So I've done some research, Isaiah. Out of the top ten quarterbacks in this league, according to some website I found, only one of them was drafted in the top three. Kyler Murray. Okay. Everyone else. Baker was top. Baker was number one. Well, he's not in the top ten. Okay. Rodgers, 
Brady, Mahomes, Watson, Allen, Wilson, Jackson, Tannehill, and Herbert are all not in the top three. Are they? They're still first round, though, right? I think most of those are late first round. I'm pretty sure. I, I don't know if you have them off the top of your well, head. Well, Brady is 199. Yeah, pick. that's true. Brady was the one really. Russell Wilson is the 75th pick, and then yes, the rest of them are first round. But okay. my point is, is I'm just saying that historically, these guys that are drafted that high don't do that well. But that doesn't mean that that's how it's necessarily going to play out. No, it doesn't. I'm just speaking mm-hmm. from a historical standpoint here. And like, this is also a quarterback heavy draft. There's a lot of very good quarterbacks. That will go early, so well, I think... Well, my point is, is maybe they're not that good. Yeah, we'll maybe, see. maybe not, but... I think, but this is the type of year where you where they need to trade up for a quarterback because, yes, in past years, there might not have been... Like, these really good quarterbacks might not have been drafted top three, but they might have been, like, the third selected quarterback. Like, I think the top three picks will be quarterbacks, so the fact that there are a lot of really good quarterbacks this year it pays off to be the, the third team that can pick one of these really good quarterbacks. Whereas in years past, quarterbacks not be, might not have been as good, so picking the third quarterback in the draft could have come later. If that, if that makes sense. You see what I'm saying? I guess we'll see. So, I, I, yeah, so again, I, I think they draft one, they, but they keep Jimmy G and kind of pressure him, kind of like the Packers with Jordan Love last year, which pressuring Rodgers after a not great season. So obviously Jimmy G's not the same level, but... I don't know. You get rid of him if he can't if he can't bring you back to a Super Bowl level because they clearly have the team around him that can get you to a Super Bowl as long as you do your part, carry your your load. So if he can't do that this year, then use the quarterback that you drafted. All right, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's all we got time for. All right, so thank you for tuning into the extra point tonight. I hope everybody has a good week. I hope everybody enjoys their opening day of baseball tomorrow. And I hope everybody enjoys the end to the NCAA tournament. And we will be back here to talk to you Wednesday at 7 next week. This is Kenny Tomkovich signing off. Good night, guys.